0: Good morning, Journey. Welcome. If you guys want to stand and join us in worship this morning. Come, let us worship our King. We'll This day, for this time to be able to praise you and worship, lift your name, dear God. And as we all are gathered together for a time of fellowship with like minded people, I just pray, God, that wherever we are in our quiet time, whether our worship is quiet and intimate between just you and ourselves, or we want to raise our hands and adoration and raise a shout of praise, dear God. We open ourselves and our hearts to give back to you. The praise, the glory, the honor that is due. And so, God, thank you so much. And we praise your name this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: You be seen with me. and gave.
2: Heads up! Oh, that wasn't meant to startle you, and I know I just ruined your worship, but heads up. Heads up is the statement. Oh, you can be seated, by the way. Heads up is that statement that you choose to use when you see somebody, something sailing towards them, but you don't have enough time to say, you know what, you might want to look at this because it's just about to hit your head. So we usually say heads up. You know, I, I don't need to belabor with stories with the people that you see are doing this, and you're having a serious conversation with them, like, you know what, my canary died this morning, and they start to giggle because they don't have a clue as to what's going on. Um, you know, there's one person in the Old Testament that I, I, I picture in my mind that he's doing that. That's Nathan the prophet. Nathan the prophet was the one person that had to have a clue every time he went into the presence of King David to, with information that the king to needed to know. Needed to know. And yet in this one time here, when David is just kind of having this conversation, and Nathan is kind of absent-mindedly, it sounds like, it looks like he's doing something, and David says, you know, I live in a house, a palace that's made with cedar, but the Lord's house is in a tent that's dwelling uh, over there. And Nathan absent mindedly says, uh, go, you know, lo- the Lord's with you, go do what you want to do on something like that you got to watch out when somebody, my grandkids, they say, Dad, Grandpa, can we uh, play with your power tools in the garage? And I say, you know, Lord, be with you. Go do what you want to do. <laughs> you know, we need to get a clue on something like that. I don't know. You know I, uh, when you read about Nathan, he comes across as a man of high integrity. For some reason, he didn't have a clue at this time here until the Lord spoke to him that night before. He says, Nathan, you need to go back to David and tell him this you are a man of war, you're a man of bloodshed, you're not allowed to build the temple for whatever reason. I'm not quite sure all of that entailed, but Nathan says, no, you're not gonna do that, but somebody else close to you is going to build the temple for you. And instead of sulking, instead of walking away angry, David decides, you know what, for my adoration of the Lord and my appreciation for everything he's done for my family, I'm going to do this. <clears throat> I'm going to amass as many building materials as I possibly can in order for the building of the temple. Well, the last time I read it was 4,000 pounds of gold, 40,000 pounds of silver, amongst all the other stuff that was for this. So he gets everything ready. I thought, well, that's a, that's a good choice on that. Because, you know, Solomon is the one that's going to build the temple for that. And it's right after that time period when he gets everything ready and turns it over to Solomon that David offers this prayer. It actually comes from 1 Chronicles 29, and I'm just going to highlight parts of it for us for you and I to be able to meditate upon because when that little bucket comes around in just a moment here, that's not meant for you to put your trash in. It's the time when you and I can worship the Lord with the resources that he's given to us here Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and willing mind, for the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. You might want to meditate on that one. Wow. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. Wealth and honor come from you alone. Everything we have comes from you and we give you only what you first gave to us we are here only for a moment visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us our days on earth are like a passing shadow gone so soon without a trace and boy I can attest to that I know my God that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there you know I have done all this with good motives and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Take a moment as that bucket's coming around and just say, you know, Lord, we want to give back to you willingly and joyously today. I'm looking right up here, here's some ways for you to give online, abjourney.com, in person, cash, check, or money order, however you want to do that, mobile, text give, and there's your phone number right there and Presley's got some information for you today.
3: Thank you, Bruce. Let's give it up for Bruce and the whole worship team. Woo! They killed it this morning. Good morning, you guys. My name is Presley. I am one of the team members here, and good morning online also. So glad for you guys to join us. Um, Couple announcements today, but before that, what's up with the weather? This is almost June. Um, But you know, we're in California, we can't complain. My best friend's a flight attendant and she got like held back from all the tornadoes going on and we're just really blessed to live in California, amen. And all my family, a lot of my family lives back east and they're like, we would never live in California because you guys get earthquakes. And I'm like, y'all get tornadoes and floods and yeah, so just craziness. So we're doing good in California, yeah. Um, Capital announcement today. First of all, all the fifth and sixth graders, you guys are dismissed. Have a great service. And then also, if you guys have a fussy baby with you or anything like that, and you just like need some privacy, we have a cry room right there in the back. And you can see out, but we can't see in. It's perfect, and you can hear and see the message. It's really great. Um, also, We wanna treat this church like a home. This is our home. The Bible talks about church being a house of God and we want you guys to feel at home here. If you are new, can we just welcome you? Thank you guys so much for coming. We have a little welcome gift out at the hotspot for you. It's not anything cheesy like potpourri or anything like that. It's actually something we think that you guys will really enjoy. And so we do have that for you today. All right, so first up, we have baptisms coming up, y'all. They're gonna be next Sunday, and if you wanna get dunked for Jesus, you can go ahead and head out at the hot spot and sign up. Baptisms are a public display of you wanting to show your faith in Jesus and wanting to declare that. I know it's a little scary. Um, My husband and I got baptized at the same time a couple years back, and we're like, oh, we gotta get on stage, but you know what? It's not like that. Um, Who else balls their eyes out during baptisms? Like, Do we just cry the whole time? I do. I'm like, I'm a mess. I cry. I cry at commercials. So I'm like, of course, baptisms come up. And I'm like,
1: oh, this is beautiful.
3: Um, Also, Connect Night is coming up. And if you are new to Journey and you want to make some friends or if you've been coming here for a while and you're like, you know what? I really want to like also do something else just besides Sunday mornings, we would love to have you. So connect night is next Tuesday, June 4th. We have a taco truck coming and that's at 6:30 for food. And then the connect is seven to eight. So we would love for y'all to join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. So also parents, this is really exciting for you guys. We have kids camp also coming <laughs> Woo! over summer. So, uh, J Kids Day Camp is June 17th through the 21st. The cost for that is 150 bucks, yep. And it's for first through sixth graders. And then, so the time is from 9 a.m. to four o'clock. Sorry, y'all, you gotta pick them up after four, or at four. We can't take them past then. Um, but it's a really great way for you guys, you know, for your kids to go out and, you know, learn more about God. The theme is gonna be known. And it's about um, how God loves your kids and That he knows who you guys are and I think those are two very important things for our kiddos to know in this day And age right with all the technology and everything going on they need that Um, And then also we have youth summer camp coming up, which is really fun Yeah Um, So that's really great. That's June 10th through the 14th Monday through Friday and that's um It's gonna be 375 bucks and then also the $50 deposit is due next Sunday out at the hotspot so um, don't forget to do that. If you do want your kids to go there, I just don't want y'all to forget and be like, "Oh, we missed the $50 deposit." Um, if you want and you feel led to help a kid out to go to one of these camps, we would love for you to go to the hotspot and maybe donate some money, either full or part. It would be in a really—it's an amazing experience. And um, yeah, if you got—if you have the tie, like, like what um, Bruce was talking about, that would be really amazing too. All right, you guys, that's it for me today. Go ahead and turn to the screen.
4: place I want to be. Sign up. Hey guys, do me a favor. I'm Dave, one of the pastors, and I just want to ask you one more thing before we go any further. Stand up and say hi to somebody around you. I want to connect you and get to know somebody in your neighborhood today. So welcome somebody. High five. Give them a hug. Handshake. Well, as you're seated this morning, just want to draw your attention to a couple things. First of all, as Presley mentioned, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday, and I just want to kind of harp on this a little bit because, honestly, this is one of my favorite things as a pastor, one of my favorite things um, as a Christ follower, is to get to see people step into and publicly announce the relationship they have with god and they want to say that hey I'm, I'm making this public statement and that's what jesus actually commanded he told us as his followers to go into all the world preach the good news and then baptize people in the name of the father son and holy spirit that's literally what he says matthew 28 19 and we actually want to do that so what we're going to be doing is we're going to have a baptism and basically what it is is we're standing you up here and you're basically during the worship experience Your life was like this without Jesus. You died to the old ways, raised up to new life, and that's what we do. We put you in the water as a representation of Jesus dying and uh, being buried in the grave, raised up because it's a representation of Jesus rising from the dead and entering life again. And that's one way of saying hey, we're saying goodbye to the old life. The Bible says that you're brand new and that's what we celebrate next week. And we want you to sign up if you've made a decision, are moving in that direction, you would like more information, sign up at the hotspot and I'll email you the details. And that's not a commitment, just if you sign up, that's so you get information. So be sure and swing by there and do that today. One other thing, this is Memorial Weekend. And I'm gonna pause for a moment because I just don't, I don't think we do this often enough. Scripture is full of opportunities and moments, even commands, that we stop and remember. Jesus' communion, Jesus said, Do this every time you gather and have this moment, remember me. God thought it was that important that He marked life with these memorials. And this weekend, we honor as memorial, we stop to pause and think back on the lives we've been given and the cost to that freedom. So as we do, I want to just honor and take a moment to reflect on the fact that we live in the greatest country in the world. I believe that. I believe that even as it is, yeah, we can celebrate that. I believe that the freedoms and the joy and the a person can come from somewhere else to this country, start with nothing and end up with a life full of their dreams because that's the kind of country that we were given. We didn't create it. But the people, each generation has to make decisions about how they will steward it. And for one, I am grateful that we have a resource, our military, that take the front line to protect it and to give us the opportunity to express ourselves, to worship like we do. I'm not a fan of war. I don't want anybody to be hurt. I, as followers of Jesus, we're not for that. But let me just be honest, um, we realize all throughout Scripture that sometimes we have to stand against evil, and sometimes the scriptures even to take up arms. And this is one of those things that some people do that for a living. Some people have done that with their life. And I want to honor those people by just acknowledging and recognizing those who have served in the military, are serving in the military, active duty or otherwise. If you have been a part of our armed forces in any way, I'd like you to stand. And we just want to recognize you as a way of saying thank you and celebrating them. You guys can be seated. And honestly, thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. And thank you for your determination that this country will remain great. That is our prayer. I'd like to stay just a prayer over our families who have lost loved ones in conflict. Let's pray. Father, as we begin our time today, we want to pause and recognize that our country is free to do the things we're doing right now this morning because of the sacrifices of others. And we know at what cost some of that came to us. Freedom isn't free, they say, and and we acknowledge and really take a moment this morning to thank you for the fact that you've given us this opportunity to steward our season in the world in America. We were given freedoms, we were given this opportunity because of you and your grace, for whatever reason, you planted us here and you've allowed us to experience this. But God, we don't want to take it for granted. So today we pray over the families, for those who have lost loved ones because of their defense of our beliefs and values. And for the loss that has been incurred by others, Lord God, we just praise you and thank you that somebody was willing to take up their own life and lay it down for us, even as Jesus himself, that we might live. We thank you and we remember. We pray your blessing and grace be with those who have lost and those who continue to serve us so well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will we continue this morning with a quick TV trivia question. Now, this will test some of you. Um, some of you won't have a clue. But give me just, if you know, who said this? Anybody remember this quote? Don't make me angry. You will not like me when I'm angry. The Hulk. Man, you guys are quicker than I expected. And this actually did not start with uh, the great videos that we've been watching the movies in our generation. This started back in 1978, the TV series The Hulk. Some of you remember this mild-mannered Bill Bixby guy played a character named David Banner. Anybody remember those guys? And this guy named Lou Ferrigno played The Hulk. But anyway, what happened is this mild-mannered scientist basically came across this incredible experience where he was changed, and whenever he got angry, and believe me, you did not want to see him angry, he would literally, buttons would begin, his eyes would begin to bulge, his skin would start turning green, and he always changed into the same outfit. I don't understand, but anyway, the ripped shorts and the, you know, anyway, that was in the 70s, but basically, you have this muscular monster called the Hulk, and and here's the reality, I think that's true of so many of us. It's like there are two people living in almost all of us. And it just takes the right circumstance, the right button to be pushed, the right trigger, the right thing to be said, or the wrong thing, as it were. And all of a sudden, we morph into something unrecognizable. And it's funny because people, you you could actually be a person mild-mannered and easygoing in just about every way in life and just the right thing. Some of you here... I mean you picture yourself as just a model of goodness. You're just a good person. But I bet even you have your moments. How many of I just wonder, how many wives, don't raise your hands. How many wives went into the I do's with David Banner and sometime later he became this massive monster, the Hulk. How many of you Gave birth to a child, rocked him in your arms, but now at two years old, he is a monster. You don't even recognize. How, how many of you thought you, the job that you had, you were working for David Banner, a mild-mannered boss, but you do something wrong, and all of a sudden things explode and start getting broken? Some of you look really good while you're here in church in your dress-up clothes, but right outside in the parking lot or on the way home, you become a different person. It's because there's something going on inside of us That's called anger. Anybody relate? Maybe you don't see this as your issue, but I'm sure you know somebody who has this issue. Not to say I do, but just this past week, Lori and Jaden and I were leaving dinner at Chipotle over at the mall, and we were on our way out, and we turned right. We're going to head over down, you know, down by uh, Chili's and hang a right there and get out on 10th Street West. Well, as you know, you get to that stop sign. And uh, the traffic's flowing in, and you can't go across because they have the right of way. Well, the person in front of me, we're turning right. The person in front of me is angled to turn right, got the blinker on. And we're behind them, just one car. And so the traffic is flowing, in. it's obvious they've got a green light because there's this car after car after car. And I'm sitting there thinking, and at first, I just gave verbal encouragements to the guy. You, you can go, um, it's not going to turn green, it's a stop sign, and you can turn right on a stop sign when the traffic, and I'm just helping him, and of course, Lori and Jaden are in the car, and we're in J- Lori's car at this point, and, and after a few moments of this, after multiple cars have just gone by, and gone by, and gone by, I, I did the Christian alert system, <laughs> where I simply did that little, meh, meh. you know, but what... And there is a Christian way of doing it. It's that simple little boop, you know, just to let them know, hey, we're back here, no problem. Hey, it's no big deal, but can you move? (laughs) All right. um, (laughs) But the problem was I was in Lori's car, and that little didn't do anything. So I did. (laughs) And before I even knew it, both hands were on the steering wheel going, boom, boom, boom. And I was literally like, this is, I felt my eyes start to bulge. My shirt got tight. My button started popping, and before I knew it, this green thing was sitting in my chair. And Lori and Jaden were just cracking up because I'm preaching about anger this week, and they're, you know, and I'm like, literally, like, is this for real? I mean, seriously, God, you set me up. I know you did this, but it's every single day, something steps in my way. I mean, you think about anger. Where does it come from? Well, it's one of those things that you you think about it. Um, Hulk is in there waiting, but we stop him, we restrain him because of one thing: our filters. We have good filters. And it all goes back to the conversation we started several weeks ago when we talked about these attitudes, these actions, these words that are inside of us. But we learn from an early age that there are things that are appropriate to say and do, and there are things that are inappropriate. And we developed a system of filters in order to keep those things from being seen by the public or getting out right i don't want others to know what a beast i can be so i learned to filter my behaviors and so we get this junk and we stop it at the gate but every once in a while my filter fails or your filter fails and it comes out that thing you didn't want to say you say it thing you didn't want to do well you end up doing it and, and i'll say it's it's like we. Sometimes we find ourselves like, where did that come from? Even this past week, as I'm laughing at myself but can't hardly control it, like, you've got to go, man. You know, this is, you're stopping me from going somewhere. That feeling inside, we learn to filter much of that. But where does it come from? I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I'm speaking about that this week. And here I am. What we find from Scripture, what we learned is that Jesus said, that our attitudes and actions, the things that come out of us are actually when those unfiltered moments, those are like an x-ray or an MRI of what's going on in our heart. It's like a stethoscope that we can actually find out, discover what's going on in our inner person by those unfiltered expressions that come out. We say, well, I don't know where that came from. Jesus said, I do. It came from your heart. But that's not the kind of person I am. No, no. That's because you have filters yeah, but, um, you know, I'm going to apologize. I'm sorry, and, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better. And Jesus says, you mean you're going to get a better filter? Because here's the deal. What, what we've learned is this. You don't need better filters. We need purer hearts. We don't need a better filter. Because Jesus, what he said was, he goes, all these things that are going on inside of you, The Pharisees were so concerned about washing the cup and making sure they washed their hands before the meal. And Jesus didn't do that. And that was just the traditions of the fathers. Those weren't commandments. But they put them on as if they were commandments. Jesus broke those rules. They got really upset. And Jesus said, listen, you're worried about the outward expressions? Let me tell you what what God's concerned about. He's not concerned about whether your outside is clean. He's concerned about when your inside is clean, then your outside will also be clean. You don't need better soap for your hands. You don't need better soap for your mouth. You need a a heart transformation. You need something to happen in here. So we've been talking over the last several weeks about how we experience that transformation. And Tyler just killed it last week talking about that, about conflict. You might want to go back and watch that. And today we're going to continue talking about what I started a few weeks ago, this concept of anger. Because I know there's some people in here who might need this. Some people standing right up here might need this. So we're going to talk about it. And what I've learned reading about this week, anger is like a secondary emotion. That means it doesn't come first. A primary emotion comes first. And anger is a response when we don't know how to process the primary emotion. So primary emotions could be something like frustration or fear or embarrassment. Uh, Primary emotion might be pain or loss or hurt. And when somebody sits at a stop sign for five minutes, what is the primary emotion? Frustration or fear? I'm going to be late. Frustration, you're stopping me from going where I need to go. Who gave you the right to park on the street? There's a frustration that develops, right? And that frustration, if not handled appropriately, if not processed through the heart, not just a filter then we turn to the next appropriate, or the next maybe inappropriate response, which is anger. It gives way quickly. So what do we know about anger? Well, anger affects our health. And you can link just about everything. I was reading this week that acne, rashes, all kinds of skin disorders are linked directly to anger in our outbursts and sometimes stuffing it in. Muscle tension, teeth grinding, which leads to headaches and migraines blood pressure rising, chest pain, heart, heart disorders, a lot of those things. It causes digestive problems. I read this week that it causes ulcers, leads to anxiety, insomnia, nightmares, depression. It's amazing that it actually leads to eating disorders, alcohol abuse, and some other things like that. So many physical and psychological effects come from the unmanaged anger that we feel. Anger also affects our relationships. Uh, We all know this. This is where it hits us first sometimes. It changes the way we treat people. It It changes the way we handle situations with our husbands, our wife, our kids, our co-workers, our friends. Some of us don't have some of those people in our lives because of this very issue. Some of us have had to change jobs quite frequently because of these issues. Your waiter... The guy driving in the car in front of you or not driving. Whatever. Anger changes the way we treat people. Another one is it it affects us spiritually. Anger literally has an impact on us spiritually. Jesus said all of these things dwell inside of us. And those things are the things that disconnect us from God. Not whether we wash our hands or not. It's whether our heart is actually open to be transformed by God. It affects our hearts. Bottom line, anger can be devastating, and it can be a heart disease. It can shrivel our hearts, make us small people, and make us unresponsive to the love that others want to give us and need to receive from us. So what do we do? We're going to go back to Paul. Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, he's going to break it down. And we're just going to sit in this passage today, just open it up, and just kind of figure out with Paul what he discovered about this thing called anger, this Hulk, this beast that dies within us. In chapter four, verse twenty-six, you could turn in your Bibles if you have, or your apps be on the screens. Four twenty-six, Paul says this: In your anger, do not sin. But that doesn't quite get it the way I feel. Literally, the Greek says it a little differently. In the Greek, you know, writing it says, "Be angry," and it's a command. That's an imperative. And then it goes on, but don't sin. That's another imperative. These are both commands. Be angry and don't sin. When it comes to the first part, I'm like, got it, done, I'm good. I can be good at that. I mean, that's a command in the Bible, right? Most people think the Bible says don't be angry, but it doesn't. It says be angry, but then it qualifies it very, very quickly, immediately by this, but don't sin. It actually says it's okay to be angry sometimes. Anger can be the right thing, right? Anger sometimes is necessary. If somebody hurts you, if somebody wants to hurt your wife or your child or somebody you love, or anger isn't bad, right? As a matter of fact, it's why you have, it's why you have that response in there in the first place. God gave us certain responses, certain emotions because they belong in us for certain experiences. It's what you do with the anger that matters. If a guy beats his wife, say And by the way, Lori was telling me this morning, domestic violence is one of the number one reasons for people going into the system, the social system. She's a part of um, Children and Family Services because domestic violence is one of the greatest epidemics in the Antelope Valley. As a matter of fact, it's like number one in the entire Los Angeles County. We are way up there. California, I think we're number one domestic violence in California. We're one of the top in the nation for domestic violence right here in the Antelope Valley. Anger. Anger. Guy beats his wife. The child is molested or abused. Anger is appropriate response to abuse, right? If a kid is bullied, if, if somebody takes advantage of elderly, I watch those shows where people scam, you know, elderly people because they don't know, how, they're not sophisticated with the computer and whether they're getting lied to when somebody tells them, I mean, that just, ugh, I just literally want to bring them out, beat them and just, you know, publicly, I, I hate that. Anger is a godly response. If you look around, you see all kinds of bad stuff happen in our world and anger is an appropriate response to inappropriate action. Something isn't right, and it's okay to feel that it isn't right. It's okay to call out things that aren't right in appropriate ways. But then the second part of this it says anger can actually lead you to sin. Don't let it lead you to sin, because we all know that it's true. If our anger, if we let it go, it could get really ugly, really fast. Veins start popping, you know, shirts start stretching. Literally, Paul says, "Be angry." But don't sin. Because honestly, it's really easy to, to sin when we are angry. I find it easy. It's pretty easy to lose control of my tongue when I'm angry. I mean, I can find that I lose control of holding things when I'm really angry. They just fly out of my hand. Sometimes uncontrollably, something will just kind of be tossed. Um, I don't know how you lose control, but honestly, sometimes... Your anger leads you to do things you're later on looking at and saying, oh, man, I have a baseball-sized hole in my garage right now because of somebody in the family who got angry and chucked it. It was not me. This one was not me. But it's a pretty short step from anger to rage to an outburst to hurting someone or something to even murder. There's a process that we go through. And I think it's interesting that three verses later, Paul actually says in verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Okay, he's talking about relationships here, and he's talking about how we interact. He said, don't use foul language. And to him cursing or swearing or God's name in vain, all of these things, inappropriate things, things that would be put in the dictionary as foul, things that could not be stated in front of children without getting, he says, don't use those bad words. Just don't use them. Just remove them from your vocabulary. he's not talking about, once again, behavior management or better filters. He's saying it's time that you tune your heart into what God's up to in the world. And you tune your heart into his spirit. And these things don't come from his spirit. They come from an old nature that is right there ready to rage if we feed it. Because the kind of stuff that comes out when we're mad, man. We say things, you're just like your father. Or you're just like your mother. or, Or why can't you be like your brother? I hated that one. Because he was perfect. You always, or you never. We say things that are untrue because you always, and you, ever, you never, rarely are true. But we say them when we're angry, or things like, "Man, I'm gonna smack you," or "I'm gonna," or things like, "You stupid idiot," "You piece of," and you just fill in the blank. Because some of you are much more colorful than I. But the, what Paul is saying here is, don't use foul or abusive language. It escalates things. You know the studies have have revealed that people who vent their anger actually don't get better. It actually makes it worse. People who, we had that therapy for a while that you scream into your pillow or you beat the stuffed animal or whatever. Those things never actually cured the anger. It actually made it worse. Paul's saying, hey, there's something you need to do to tone it down. Don't use these pieces of language. Just don't. Even when you're angry, no exception. Don't use foul language. This could change some of the way you guys argue at home. Some of the ways you interact With your companion, some of the ways you parent your children, just don't use this language. But instead, let everything you say be good and helpful. Let everything you say—the message paraphrase says it this way: say only what helps. Each gift is a, each word is a gift. Sorry, each word is a gift. Use only words that help move the conversation to a healthy place. That help move a person to understanding. To help move a person towards receiving what you're saying rather than just slamming the door shut because you're saying it in such an ugly way. Your words are gifts. They're that powerful. But anyway, he goes back and he continues in verse 26. Be angry, don't sin. And then he says this. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. Usually, I hear this verse in reference to marriage. When Lori and I were doing premarital counseling, um, to be honest, we were... We were, you know, dating very early. We started off, she was like 15 years old, and I was, uh, you know, or she was 14, I was 15. We we started hanging out. We dated for a number of years before we finally got married. Before we did, though, we realized we fought a lot. We just had, you know, Lori had anger issues. And so we we were trying to get counseling to help her through some of her issues. And Lori, it's your heart. It's not your anger, it's your heart, you know. But um, in the counseling, one of the things that the counselor told us was like, hey, listen, you guys are you know you, you seem to be quick to anger and you kind of respond that way and and what we need to work on is don't let your don't let your anger last all night just don't when you're married don't let the sun go down on your anger now that's great advice it's great advice until you're married and you realize that we'll be talking all night and we'll be talking all day and we'll because once something gets started, it's not always easy to turn it off or just to change gears because you get into such a place where it's like one of those, you know, standoffs where I'm not giving in, you're not giving in, we're just going to keep sitting here all night long waiting for somebody to give in and it's not healthy. So he's not saying just stay up all night. The point is that, and this isn't just a reference to marriage, This is a point, this is appropriate for all relationships, Deal with your anger. Get to the root of it quickly. Get to the issues as soon as possible. If it's possible, take care of it before you go to bed. Don't let it simmer. Don't let it grow. Don't let it fester. Don't let it, because it will continue to to haunt you. But sometimes the most important thing you do is get a break from your moment, from that person, from that situation, to cool off and to think through it and get your head together. But his point was, don't let things go unresolved. How many of you have, resi- have issues right now that you thought, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it? And you just never did. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to correct that. I'm going to fix that. I'm gonna and you never did. Paul's saying this is our tendency. We think we're going to get around to it, but we don't. So don't let things stay unresolved. And it's so important that we deal with it. Why? Because the Bible tells us what will happen if we don't. Next verse, don't let the sun go down while you're angry and don't give the devil a what? A foothold. Now, if you're a rock climber, you know what a foothold is. But if you don't, let me just tell you that here's a Greek word that talks about, it literally means opportunity or location. It means space. It literally means room. Don't give the devil the guest room. Don't let him pack up and move in by your anger. When you let your anger go unresolved, you literally are opening the door, just a crack, and a crack is all he needs because the scripture talks about the evil one. roams He he roams around like like an animal, like a lion, looking for people to devour, and you know the people that he can find a home in is the person who left unresolved anger in their hearts, and the door is opening for his attack. He'll come in, and basically what he does is he starts to whittle away at your confidence or your love for the person by attacking their character. Well, they always do that because they're this kind of person, or that, and basically he gets you to feel and to view that person worse and worse and worse. Don't allow him through the door. Don't let anger go unresolved, otherwise he will find that room, that opportunity, that foothold, and he'll step in. And the scripture's clear because he hates God and he hates the plan that God has because he was rejected, cast out of heaven. He wants to destroy God's work in the world. God's primary love is his people, people made in his image. If Satan can destroy you, he will. So that's why he said, close the door quickly by dealing with the anger right away. Also, don't carry your anger from one season to another, from one season relationship to another, from one environment to another. See, this isn't just talking about the end of a physical day. Paul's saying, don't let this thing that happened now poison what's coming next. Can I be honest, man? There are people, I meet them all the time in church. They are poisoned by something that happened in their childhood, and they've carried it into their adult life. And their relationships can't get traction because of this thing that's unresolved. I've met marriages, people, ladies that go into marriage, they carry this issue from a personal experience into their marriage experience and it poisons and weakens the resolve, the marriage, because they're carrying something from that season into this. I've met some people who've carried guys carrying anger from work into the home environment and just spilling out on people who had nothing to do with it. And one of the worst things we can do relationally, spiritually, is let the sun go down or let the, let the season pass and carry one set of pain and difficulties and experiences into the next season, the next relationship. And some of you right now are in a relationship that is doomed if you don't deal with what you didn't deal with last relationship. You've just brought it forward. Well, you, it, I just needed a better person. I needed a better partner. I needed a better whatever. I needed a better job. I needed a better boss. I needed better kids, whatever I needed. But what you'll discover is that problem, that issue has come with you. Because everywhere you go, there you are. And every relationship you're in, you bring all of yourself to it. And that's why you have to address, he says, don't let it snowball. When we carry anger from one season or relationship to another, it just keeps growing. So strangely, we often forget what made us angry to begin with. And we're just angry, and we don't even know why. Have any of you, don't even point at your spouse, don't elbow, have any of you just kind of thought about your spouse, like, what is wrong with you? Why are you so angry? I I just have felt, at times, Lori's asked me that. It's funny because um, I don't see myself as an angry person. But we can become angry when we let things fester from before. We can have a short fuse, constantly getting fired up about something that's insignificant and stupid, like like a light that somebody didn't jump at. I've heard the definition of nanosecond, the time that it takes for the light to turn green and the person behind you to honk their horn. Nanosecond. You know, it's like, that's, I mean, honestly, we're in such a rush. We're so angry as a people. People everywhere we go are angry. Road rage is an epidemic. You don't even want to give somebody the reason. I was reading this week that a lady and a guy were trying to merge on a freeway, and they were both racing to get there first, but he had the truck, so he got a little bigger, and so he made it on and passed her up, and she was so angry, she pulled up next to him and started screaming, and of course, he gave her the happy finger, and what did she do? She pulled out a 357, shot five shots into the truck, blew off his happy finger. I thought that was like karma. I mean, like, isn't that the funniest thing ever? Just blew it. Next time, he's gonna say, I love you, because that's what he's got left. anger 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 carried over from one thing is it really that important is it worth shooting somebody because they got on the freeway before you because they didn't acknowledge you as the person who was there first is it really the issue no it's a snowball of all these other emotions going forward that's why proverbs 423 king solomon wisest guy other than jesus that walked the earth he said above all else we've said this Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Remember that? Guard your heart. Jesus said, it's not your filter, it's your heart. It's not how well you behave or manage your behavior, it's your heart. Those things flow out of your heart. So how do we do that? Let's keep going, because the verse, Paul just goes right into it. God tells us how, Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage. Anger, harsh words, and slander. All those things are tied together He's say, get rid of them. Just do it. The Greek word translated get rid of means stop and stop quickly. In other words, come to an immediate halt. Has anybody ever walked into a spider web that you didn't see? Okay, we were like going on this rainforest walk in Hawaii one time. We, our family was all there, and it's literally like Jurassic Park. And when you're in Jurassic Park, you got Jurassic spiders. And so when I walked between these two limbs, and it's, I felt the web instantly. And I'll be honest, I'm okay with snakes. I'm okay with gators. I'm okay with creepy crawlies. I'm okay with just about But I hate spiders. And it's because of this very reason. You get a web on you, and you know it's not the web. It's what's in the web that's the problem. There's something lurking. It's ugly hearted. It's dark and it wants to bite you. And that's why I, mean, t- I stepped into that thing. I'm like, whoo, I'm like, like I felt like, in, I felt like, anyway, I felt like out of control. You know, like just basically trying to get the thing off because I know he's there somewhere. I know it's on me somewhere. And these spiders were the size of your hand. And I'm like, this panics me. Well, that's what, the, this is the, me- the message that Paul's giving us. When you realize you've stepped into that experience, that moment, and you are going to give vent to whatever, he says, get rid of it, get rid of it, Get, get, get it off, get it away from you, it will poison you, it will sneak up, it will attack you, don't let it get on you. The instant you begin to feel it, he says, step back, push it away, stop it, get that stuff off of you. Get rid of, in a big hurry, all of those things, and he tells us. Rage, anger, harsh words, bitterness, slander. Get rid of it. And this is what I love about Scripture. God doesn't command us to do something that he hasn't given us the power to do. In his power, not in our own. This is another reason the baptism is so significant because it's a symbol of saying, I'm stepping out of my power and out of what I can control and out of life on my terms. And I'm stepping into life with God. Not saying everything's going to go well because it simply won't. It didn't go well for Jesus. He was God. We step into a life where we actually accept the power of God to indwell us. We accept the presence through the Holy Spirit. It says when we confess our sins, we turn from our self-life to a God-life, from self-rule to God-rule. God presents us with his love and compassion, forgiveness, and his spirit to dwell inside of us. Paul talks a lot about this in his his writings, the epistles. He talks a lot about how the spirit comes to dwell inside of us. You want to know what the answer is? You want to know what the key is? You want to know what the secret, transformation, success he is? It's the spirit of God giving life to you and you learning to walk in the power and presence of that spirit. That's why when he's talking about this, get rid of all this stuff, he's saying it's not in your power, but the spirit of God can help you get rid of this. The Spirit of God will engage with you as you trust Him. Step into it. Begin to obey. God will give you the power. Because if your anger stays, guess what? You you squelch, you quench, you squish the presence and the voice of God in your life. If you give voice and you give power and authority and you give direction to that anger, you basically are closing the door to the Spirit's promptings, open the door to your old man's promptings. Get rid of your anger. And getting rid of your anger is infinitely more important than getting even. Empty the garbage. Take out the trash. Open every door and every part of your heart. Go through and give inventory with God. Say, okay, God, here's where this comes from. Some of you today, one of the most important things you can do as a response to this is to go home and take inventory of what's happened in your life. And the things that you're carting around with you from relationship to relationship, from season to season... From time to time, you're taking it with you and just give, take an inventory of those things that have stopped you, have caused you pain, have caused you to lose traction, have caused you to lose focus, have caused you to lose love or the inability to connect deeply with others. And you need to open the door to God and just say, God, by your spirit, I'm asking you, because I know it's not about just better management of my behavior. It's not about better filters. I'm asking you to help transform my heart. I need this renewed. I need this dealt with. I need this healed. And he goes on to teach us how we do this. And it's part of our participation with him, and it's part of our aligning with him in the next step, which is this. It's hard because anger is deep, but he says, here's what we do. Verse 32, instead, okay, you're going to stop, you're going to, like, Put this out. Pull it away. You're going to examine what it is that's going on and why. What it is that's going on and why. Why am I feeling this and why? And then what do we do? Once we've taken it off, be kind. Instead of bitterness, rage, anger, and all that, be kind. Be tenderhearted. And here it is. Forgiving. Forgiving. Forgiving one another. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Be kind. What I love about that word is that word actually in the Greek comes from another passage where Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and beat up by life. All of you who feel like life is just kind of draining the joy out. All of you who feel overburdened, like I just can't get it all done. There'll never be enough. All of you who feel like life just isn't the thing that you thought it could be. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you because my yoke or my teachings, my way of life Is easy. That word easy is the exact same word. He's saying, hey, be kind, be easy. Lighten up on people, be kind to people. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's saying, hey, would you lighten up on other people? Would you just, and then he goes on to the next one, which helps frame this be tender hearted, and it means compassionate, sympathetic, and understanding. You can't be all that kind without being understanding here's something that i learned Lori and i um we decided early on that we were going to take the words of jesus seriously where he talked about hospitality and where it says that you know that person that says hey you know you came to see me when did i come to see you when, when you came to see the least of these you know you i was naked and you clothed me i was homeless and you took me in or whatever and we're like okay well he means that stuff so We opened our doors as a young couple from the very early stages of our lives, and we just allowed different people in their seasons of life of challenge and struggle, young single parents, single mothers, or person going through transition, person going through college, couldn't afford something. We just had people staying with us. And one of the things we discovered was um, the way I grew up, I grew up with a really good filter system, because I grew up in church. And I learned how to behave in ways that made everybody think I had it together. And for the most part, I felt I did. And I was one of those guys that words never slipped out of my mouth. I just I felt really spiritual, really self-righteous, and I felt really, really good about most things in my life. Well, here's the thing. We started having these people in, and one of the things about the kind of people I came from and person I was, it's very easy to judge others when you sit on a high horse. It's, as a matter of fact, it's kind of natural when you think you're putting all this effort in to accomplish this amount of spiritual righteousness, then you look down on people who aren't putting in as much effort. But here's the reality. As we took in this young lady and she had some real behavior problems and she was like not doing well with any of the structures or rules or any of the stuff that we gave her. And of course, one of the reactions was anger because it's like we given you this house, we're providing you we don't have any money but we're sharing what little we have with you. Would you please just you know, start acting right and do right and get a better filter basically. Manage yourself better. And then the stories began. The counselor took us aside, and we had to to meet with her counselor. And he began to disclose that this child had been so neglected for the first number of years of her life that she didn't need, she didn't learn how to speak for a long, long time. She had suffered multiple sexual abuses throughout her childhood into her teens. She didn't trust she didn't open her heart she didn't engage she didn't know how to love she didn't know how to receive it or to give it because of what she what she went through and folks i kid you not person after person after person who came through our home slept in our spare room or on our couch we shared life with opened my heart to a reality that i never knew of what people actually live with in this life it changed me in ways that i could never have experienced had I not gone through it myself, to begin to experience and walk through people's stories with them, to be able to to listen to where people have come from. As Tyler said, you have no idea what somebody's going through. You have no idea where somebody's been, and it was only the grace of God and the softening of the Spirit that allowed me to begin to just open myself to the fact that I am not so mighty and righteous. I just have a really good filter, and when my filter's peeled away, I have a lot of rot inside of me, and it comes out And what I didn't give grace for, God gave me the ability to see and to change my heart so that I was able to discover a tenderness and a kindness that I had not known because I had not known their story. I felt everybody's probably just got a will, and if you exercise your will, you can say no to the wrong things, yes to the right things. How hard is that? Until I made some really, really stupid decisions, and I realized, oh, it's actually a little harder when it's really tempting. And God began to help me realize that I am no better. I'm just a person who started out 10 degrees above rather than 10 degrees below the starting line. I was actually started at a, at a really good place because of the family I grew up in, which was kindness of God, not a gift of my character. This was God's gift. And some of you are in a place right now where you have closed the door to others. You judge others. You are so hard on others. You accept so little... Uh, from anyone except what you would do because you have a different story than they do. You have a different set of experiences. That's why Paul said, be kind. Jesus said, go easy. Lighten up. Be ten- put yourself in their shoes. Experience, listen to their story. Why? Because you're going to need forgiveness one day and forgiveness is the only way that we receive. Jesus said, forgive as you want to be forgiven. Forgive. Forgive as you want to be forgiven guys that's the antidote it's hard it's hard to take some time hard to do but instead of retaliating God says instead of keeping score he says be compassionate be gracious some of us need boatloads of it forgiveness isn't just a feeling it doesn't mean you pretend it doesn't rationalize what they did it doesn't mean they didn't do wrong doesn't mean you jump right back into trust Forgiveness is instant. Trust is earned. Doesn't mean that you, the other person doesn't have to have consequences or take responsibility. And it's not contingent on them saying, I'm sorry, Jesus just said, forgive. Forgive like you want to be forgiven. And I want to be forgiven entirely, completely, regularly. And so forgiveness is a decision. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Friends, I don't want to be in that boat. And Here's what I want to close with today. Breaking the power the grasp of anger requires that we lighten up. Don't sweat the small stuff. Let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. Don't sweat all the little things that just irritate you. Just start to breathe deeply. Laugh more out loud and just say, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to let it get me down. I'm not. Yesterday, I've been working on, you know, trying to put in the first few plants that we've had on our, our property, just raw dirt, rocks mostly. And I tried to put in some sprinklers. And as I'm doing it, the wind is whipping everything everywhere. <laughs> and just as I'm trying to do this, off goes. I just got a bag of parts, and I set it there, and the wind hit so hard, it literally just sailed my parts right off the cliff. Often, I'm like, seriously? God, are you for real? I mean, it's, you're in charge of the wind. And I literally had to stop myself and like, just laugh. Lighten up. It's not that big of a deal. Send the dog after it. Whatever. <laughs> when possible. Initiate the forgiveness. Make a list of who you're angry at and why. Make a decision you'll no longer hold that debt against them. You will cancel the debt. You will stamp on it, forgiven. Even if you don't feel it, even if you're not choosing all the time to live in that space of, oh, I feel good towards you. Choose. Choose like God did. Choose to forgive. Make the decision and then pray, God, I choose to forgive for whatever that was they did to me. I cancel their debt because you canceled mine. Help me to live in grace. Help me to live there. I want to pray for you as we get ready to go, because I'm going to pick this up next week. We're going to talk more about this internal transformation, the heart issues that literally bring about the life changes. But before I do, I just want to pray for those of you today who might have connected with something I said. As the band comes, let's bow our heads. Father, this is an incredibly, incredibly personal thing for me. I'm not typically an angry person, didn't used to be, but Lord, I've realized that I actually am a person that I don't want to be many, many times. And there are people in this room right now who are living with a raging beast, a monster. Some of them, they married them, some of them, it's inside of them, and they're just trying to learn how to contain it. God, I pray that we would take away today the understanding that your spirit gives us what we don't have, your spirit gives us forgiveness in the first place in grace. And then your spirit gives us the power and the grace to forgive others. That we can learn to walk in kindness and tenderness. We can learn to be forgiving people. Letting the stuff go and learning to trust you with our emotions. God, we can learn this. How do we learn it? We learn it from you because you gave it before you ever asked for it. On the cross, you cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't even understand what they're doing. You were so kind towards us even when we were staking you to the pole. Lord God, we just ask that we would learn to have a heart like your heart. God, with our heads bowed, there are people in this room today that need this desperately. There are people who are hearing this and praying that their spouse or their friend, their loved one is getting this. There are people who are going to point somebody to this later. And God, I just pray that it would be our hearts you examine today. That we would be so real and so honest about what we're carrying, the baggage that we brought from our past and what it's doing to our present and how it could destroy our future, that we would be real with you. We would just unwrap all those hidden things in our hearts and we would finally be willing to go into that basement or to that closet or to that garbage can and just take it out and say, God, here it is. I need to deal with this and I need to get your grace in order to forgive those people so that I can be a person of grace and forgiveness to my prayers that you would do that deep work in us, Lord God. Begin it today. Trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys, we're going to stand. We're going to sing. We're going to come back one next week and hit it again. But let's worship today as we prepare to go home.